1: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Can we find a way to get one more game? Like just one more absolutely undeniably epic weekend of football leading us into this Monday edition of Move the Sticks. Hello, everybody. Great to be here with you. Rhett Lewis with our former NFL scouts lead draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Uh, Bucky, if calling this weekend of football the best weekend of football I've ever seen makes me a prisoner of the moment, Totally fine with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm totally fine with it. This is exactly what you want. You want to see the best players making the biggest plays on the biggest stages, and that is what we had an opportunity to see. It was a great football weekend. I can't wait the next weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how anybody goes to the bathroom during any of these football games. First of all, that, that's my one thought because it just, you're going to miss something incredible this past weekend. It was—I agree with you, Rhett. I'm not quite as old as you are, but it's—it's it's the greatest weekend of Wait football that I can remember. Wait a second,
1: uh, all four <laughs> divisional round games won on walk-offs. Like that's crazy. We've never seen that before in an entire postseason, much less one weekend. All right, let's kick it off. With how we ended divisional weekend from Arrowhead, it's our big three. We start with the first playoff game in NFL history that featured three go-ahead touchdowns scored in the final two minutes of regulation, including two of Gabriel Davis's NFL postseason record for receiving touchdowns. Mahomes and Allen at quarterback combining for 474 passing yards and five touchdowns in the second half and overtime. AFC championship game every year now for the Chiefs with Mahomes getting the game winner to Travis Kelsey in overtime. Every year that he has been the starter, uh, Mahomes has guided the Chiefs to the AFC championship game. Insane. Uh, Guys, we're going to get to the magnificence of the quarterbacks here in just a second. But DJ, let's start with how this game was ultimately won or I guess lost, depending on your view of it, with how the Bills defended the Chiefs at the end of regulation. Yeah,
0: I mean, you're right. We're going to get to the greatness of these quarterbacks. But, man, you talk about some flawless execution from Kansas City and some flawed execution by the Buffalo defense. And I I want to go to the pass to Kelsey because this was the one. This sets it up to be able to extend this football game. And it starts because you don't get any hands on him at the line of scrimmage. You give him a free release. He said it after the game. They were soft and off. This was kind of drawn up in the sand by Kelsey and Mahomes to be able to find this crease but because they gave him a free release, he was able to travel the distance needed to make a kick. They got pressure on him. The pressure got to Mahomes just with four like that. If you were able to reroute and just get your hands on Kelsey to slow him down, that ball gets completed at you know 8 to 10 yards, not 20 yards down the field. So I did not understand that. The safeties were obviously deep. They were protecting against a touchdown, yeah. uh, not a field goal in that situation. With Harrison Butker, I thought that was a mistake. Yeah, DJ, it's funny because
2: in coaching high school football, the more I watch pros, the more I see the same problems they show up in high school. You have to communicate and tell your players exactly what the objective is. In that moment, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill cannot get the ball. Make somebody else be a hero. You cannot let their best players make back to back catches in a 13 second drive that ends up tying the game off and sending them to overtime.
1: Yeah, look at the subtleties of the route there by Kelsey. Like, I know he didn't have to do a whole lot, but just keeping Levi Wall- keeping Wallace off and just influencing him a little bit with that head movement and that body movement to the left and just allowed an easier throw for Mahomes to get it right in there. They have
0: timeouts though. Like why, why are they so protective of the sideline? The sideline's irrelevant. As soon as they go down, they're going to rip a timeout. So I I didn't understand the leverage they were playing. He widened Wallace out. No question. Uh, But man, I, I just thought, man, that was some flawed execution. And look, Let's give Mahomes credit. 13 seconds, I don't care what defense you're in, to be able to get your team down there in
1: position was incredible. Yeah, I mean, talk to Cowboys fans about 13 seconds. You know, now you see what 13 (laughs) seconds can do. I mean, again, they had timeouts. It's a little bit different, right? But, man, that was – look, like Andy Reid said, when it's grim, go be the Grim Reaper, and he sure was uh, in in that case, certainly. All right, uh, let's get to the quarterbacks here. And, I mean, Bucky, how do you put into perspective what we saw in this game from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen – I mean, like in the two, in the final two minutes alone, it, it was one of the best, like a game, a game's worth of performances we've seen from either quarterback.
2: Uh, Red, look, man, it's the dawn of a new era. I think um, as an evaluator, um, it, it's one of the things when you look at guys and you're saying these are the new prototypes at the position, uh, the new prototypes in terms of being the elite franchise quarterback is big, uh, tremendous arm talent, athletic moxie and clutch playmaking ability that you can do at the end both of these guys have it in space, and they did it in their own particular way um, i think it's great to have a showcase game like that right now when everyone is watching because if i'm evaluating working in the league i am grading every quarterback that i see with that standard in mind are the guys that we're looking at going to be able to knock off pat mahomes and josh allen in a shootout because if you don't have a guy that has that kind of talent and those kinds of tools It's going to be hard for you to win the game in the next 10 years because those guys are going to dominate at the top of the board.
0: Yeah, I look at those two general managers. I'm sure they both slept well. I know the Bills weren't happy with the way it ended, but they know they're going to be in this fight for a long time. They probably slept okay. I think the general manager, Duke Tobin down in Cincinnati, probably slept pretty good too, knowing he's got Joe Burrow. And I would imagine even Tom Telesco with Justin Herbert had a good night's rest. Everybody else in the AFC, if you're a general manager, you didn't sleep a wink. Because you know, these are (laughs) cyborgs. You're going to have to traverse around these cyborgs to get to a championship. And maybe you can build up a complete roster and maybe you can knock off one of them. Well, guess what? The next week you're going to have to go through another one and maybe another one after that. I mean... Good luck. This yeah. was a this was a, a temperature check for the rest of the league. Is
1: this Is the best quarterback by a losing a uh, best quarterback performance from a losing team that we've ever seen with Josh Allen? I mean down the stretch, I, he was not no. going to be denied. You had Spencer Brown on the right side just getting beat up by Melvin Ingram and Ingram was in Allen's face, you know, in, in a split second, it felt like every drive in those last 2 minutes and he was not going to be denied. Stefan Diggs only had 7 receiving yards. Fine. Allen wasn't going to be denied. Went off with Gabriel Davis with those four touchdowns. First time we've ever seen that in an NFL postseason game. I just felt like maybe if Josh Allen was covering Travis Kelsey at the end, they might have had a better shot. Like that dude was not going to let his team lose on offense. DJ.
0: Yeah. Real, real quick, Bucky's a high school coach. That felt like a high school game where Josh Allen. Yeah. It's third and eight. Your high school quarterback. Best just player does it for the
1: first time. Just go, go do quarterback it. Quarterback sweep. Go do just, it. just
0: go get <laughs> it. And he did.
1: Yeah. Every time he found a way to keep drives alive to put his team in the end zone, it was absolutely unbelievable. Let's move to the other game in the AFC that we saw on Saturday. The King returned, but the Bengals wouldn't kneel. Derrick Henry just 62 yards on 20 carries in his return from foot surgery. Tannehill was picked off three times for the Titans. Bengals scored just one touchdown, none through the air, but they get four field goals from the rookie Evan McFearless. Evan McPherson gets it done on the walk-off, including that game-winner, uh, as time expired and the embrace for McPherson and Burrow. I mean, like you've heard now, McPherson just felt like it, he was going to win it for him and send him to the AFC Championship game before he even kicked it. Uh, I love the way that worked. And it's unreal to me, Bucky, that Joe Burrow was sacked nine times and the Bengals won this game. How did that happen?
2: Uh, because he has a dog mentality. And I say that with the utmost respect for Joe Burrow. But I think now what we're seeing is the competitive nature that your franchise quarterback needs to have needs to be at an outstanding, like an exceptional level. Because what you have is you have a guy who is willing and able to play when everything around him isn't perfect. Yes, he has maybe the best supporting cast on the perimeter that you can find. But he's playing in front of a hodgepodge of players that can't protect him. And it doesn't matter because he's that competitive He's tough as nails, and he is able to get up time after time after time of getting hit and continue to deliver. So when we're evaluating these quarterbacks, yes, all the tools are one thing, but man, do they have the grit to be able to succeed? Joe Burrow has that, and his teammates feed off of that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking back to Rocky, right, with Apollo making that comment like he just kept coming. I hit that man, and he just kept coming. Yeah. That's Joe Burrow. I mean, he just never stopped. And he didn't turn the ball over but one time. When you get sacked nine times, usually that's accompanied by a handful of turnovers. You only turn it over once. So if you're looking for a t-shirt to make out of this game, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you'd say sacks are cool, turnovers are cooler, yeah. because that was the game. They were able to turn over Ryan Tannehill. They got three picks off him, his first throw, his last throw, and in between one inside the 10-yard line, which, man, he just throws right into a corner coming off the, off the slot. He tips it up the air and picks it, and costs you points. I thought that was a difference in the ball game. You know, Tennessee, you can't turn the ball over. That's their formula that they have to win games. Everybody has their formula. Theirs is running the ball, being physical, opportunistic, down the field in the passing game, protect the football. They didn't yeah. do it.
1: Yeah, look, we talked about the first AFC game here, with the Chiefs and the Bills talk about which quarterback end, ended up making the most plays. In this one, it was like who made the fewest mistakes. And in this game, it was clearly Joe Burrow. Um, I mean, you talk about one of those interceptions on that tunnel screen you're talking about. It's down at the nine-year primetime scoring opportunity yeah. in a game that was decided by a field goal. Like, that's how, you know, that's how, how, how big of a magnitude – that those turnovers had for the Titans. And when I look at this offense, I'll always like leave it like wanting more from this team on offense this year, because when you stack up their pieces individually, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Derek Henry, even Tannehill at times, you're talking about high value resources here, but the sum of all the parts never added up. And maybe it was because they were, you know, they had so many of those guys missing real chunks of time uh, throughout the season that they could never really find that rhythm consistently, but man. They've got a heck of a defensive front, couldn't match it on offense uh, in that game. Uh, Okay, so with that now, we get to the AFC Championship game, which will feature Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Joe Burrow, and the Cincinnati Bengals. This is what they did in Week 17 when they met up, and Burrow was absolutely on fire. 446 passing yards. You know the connection he had with Jamar Chase that day. That was the last time we saw Joe Burrow in the regular season, did not play week 18 and the Bengals won that game and the AFC North. So now we get a rematch here in the AFC championship game. Uh, really interesting here, Bucky, because the Bengals have now gone from a team that hadn't won a playoff game in 30 plus years to a team that's now also never lost an AFC championship game. They're 2-0 in championship games and here getting their, their crack at a third one. What's this one look like to you?
2: Look, man, it's it's, it's experience and expertise. The experience goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, the experts at being able to get to this game and beyond. So can the Cincinnati Bengals hold up, and they have to do it against an offense that is still high powered Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are good enough to get it done. Can the Bengals come up with a strategy to keep those guys neutralized to give their own offense an opportunity to go at a defense that's vulnerable in Kansas City?
0: The things we know, Kansas City's going to score points. They're at home. They're comfortable. They're going to put up a bunch of points. I believe if the Bengals can protect, they're going to find themselves in a shootout. We're going to have a ball game. That is this game. That's it. Can they protect? If they can protect, the matchups favor them down the field. If they can't, you know, they're going to have a tough time because Kansas City is going to score. Uh, That, to me, is going to decide this football game. But I know one thing, the last image in my head from that Kansas City secondary is one of their corners being parked on the ground without being touched because he got turned inside out by Gabriel Davis. And I think back to Jamar Chase almost going for 300 yards against these guys in the last battle. So... If they can protect, they've got, they've got an opportunity, but that's the whole game.
1: Uh, Yeah, forgot forgot about that one. That Give that one all the hyperbole it deserves. Best route in a big spot I think I've ever seen right there from Gabriel Davis uh, on that fourth down play that ends up in the end zone. That was unreal. You go into your shower feeling tired,
0: but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Let's get to the big three in the NFC. And we'll start with the epic comeback. Uh, 27 to three, Rams leading the Bucks in Tampa with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. But the Bucks come all the way back, tying it up uh, with under a minute. But Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup come up with two of the biggest plays of their careers to set up the game winner for Matt Gay to win it 30 to 27, Rams onto the NFC Championship game. Uh, and guys, let's look at this kind of similarly to the way we did with the Bills and the Chiefs and how the Bills decided to defend the Chiefs at the end of regulation. And DJ, same goes here for the Bucs with the way they were defending the Rams in that final minute of regulation, especially on that final play, uh, which looked like essentially a zero blitz of some sort uh, for Tampa that allowed Cooper Cup the middle of the field open.
0: Yeah, I feel like you just re-rack what I said earlier, right? You've got flawless execution by the offense and you've got some flawed execution by the defense on the most important play of the game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, they didn't get lined up. They they said they didn't get the call in right away. But if you're going to send zero pressure, as they're going to do, they're going to end up bringing somebody off the slot. They're going to end up trying to outnumber the Rams. Well, you better get home. And when you look at where Barrett is, 58 here off the left edge, he's four yards off the ball. He doesn't even really come off the ball to be able to generate any pressure on Matthew Stafford. You look at the slot corner okay, you're going to bring the slot corner. Well, he's even three yards off the receiver. If you're going to come from that much depth, you are now creating time. Time is not your friend when you are in a zero blitz coverage with a safety here. A lot of people I've seen try to blame Winfield as you see Stafford take it in the teeth there from his old teammate in Dominican Sue. But if they've repped this a thousand times, I guarantee you he's known as a safety. This ball timing-wise has got to come out because it's a numbers game. You're getting home, the ball's out. Well, when you're not when you're not ready, you're not lined up and you come from depth, now the time has changed, and now all of a sudden, uh-oh, I've got Cooper Cup, and he's able to get vertical, and, and that costs him the football game.
2: Yeah, it costs him football game, DJ, because it's a cover zero blitz, meaning they're going to bring one more than the offense can block. But when you don't have Shaq Barrett go, you don't have Devin White or Levante David go, it's not a pressure. So you basically hung and toned Wingfield out to dry with no pressure to force a quick throw. Look, then it's one-on-one with Cooper Cup, who won the Triple Crown. Yeah, That's you know, advantage to the Rams. Great throw and catch, but poor communication and poor execution by the Bucs.
1: But you guys, is everybody on this screen has played some form of football uh, in their lives and understands what it's like when the world is crumbling down around you like it was for the Rams in the final 22 minutes of that game and how hard that is to stem the tide when that's happening. You can say what you want about momentum, uh, but there is a physical nature to that when things are happening and like you just can't explain it like Cooper Cup doesn't fumble the ball he puts it on the ground you know like all those things were happening and then for them to figure it out in the final seconds of that game the first connection to Cup which then set up this one I mean that takes some serious intestinal fortitude to figure that out and to have that kind of mental toughness to stem that tide and make the biggest play of the game in that moment, uh, man, it was huge. Obviously, they were aided by the Bucs, just not getting lined up right. But, man, uh, that was huge with everything that had gone wrong in the final 15 minutes or so in that game. And But they weren't the only stars, DJ, to make the plays on offense, right? I mean, their defense kept them in this game as as things were going wrong on offense.
0: No doubt. And first of all, by the way, the Bucs got back in this game had nothing to do with Matthew Stafford. He played outstanding. Everybody else yeah. just put the ball on the ground to let them back into the game. And then Stafford makes the play at the end. But you're right, to me, the, the other story of this game is this pass rush. We said it on the podcast when Von Miller was acquired. Don't even worry about watching Von Miller during the regular season. He knows he knows how much he's got left in his body, and he's not gonna exhaust that during the regular season. He's gonna save all that for the postseason. And man, sure enough, he did. There was an injury with Wirfs on that right side, so they had to help out over there, which freed him up one-on-one. And he wore Donovan Smith out in that football game. Should have been the closer, too. We talk about Buck having a closer on defense to be able to finish a game. He basically did. And then the Rams turn around and get the ball right back to him. Uh, But, man, he was outstanding in this game. So
1: now the Rams with an opportunity for two more. Home games, first of which will come on Championship Sunday. Uh, let's talk about the team they're playing and the way they got there. And here was Frigid Tempers, Temperatures at Lambeau Field. Sure felt like both offenses really froze up in the game. Packers scored in the opening drive with an A.J. Dillon touchdown run but didn't score again until the fourth quarter. You just saw the punt block return for a score. Really the difference in the game, saving the day for the Niners. 13-10. Bang, bang, Niner gang. On to the NFC Championship game with that Robbie Gold game winner as time expired. 13-10, to 10, 49ers do it to the Packers again in the postseason. And look, DJ, this was special teams all the way. I mean, I, you just don't get a block field goal and a block punt return for a score in a game like this happen very often, especially not in a postseason game.
0: Yeah, I think if you really kind of look at the two offenses, they kind of canceled themselves out. They weren't able to really do anything in the conditions. And then you look at the two defenses played outstanding, played winning football. And then the gap between the two special teams was, was enormous. That decided the football game. And it's a reason why, you know what, you get frustrated when your personnel department and Bucky's been there as well, and you're sitting in that room and the special teams coach demands that you have these two or three or four guys on your team. that are just solely core teamers. And your coordinators for offense and defense get frustrated. These guys are never going to be able to play for us. Well, then you see a game like this, and you realize, man, investing in that that third phase uh, can pay off in a very big way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would. Agree. I mean, you're talking about the first instance in the last 30 years in a postseason game where he had a blocked field goal and a blocked punt. Uh, In the same game, that was just that was absolutely the difference in it. And look, when we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going shot for shot, TD for TD down the stretch. And you've got a guy who we consider to probably be the MVP in Aaron Rodgers, Bucky, uh, for the Packers this year. Why wasn't he able to do what we saw from Mahomes and the Chiefs and Allen in the Bills down the stretch in this game against the Niners?
2: Hey, Ray, that's the $40 million question. Uh, Your MVP is supposed to be able to get your team over the threshold. We spent the first 15 minutes of the podcast talking about how the quarterbacks were able to make play after play. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Yeah, we didn't see that from Aaron Rodgers. And I know we can blame it on the special teams, but you have to score more than 10 points to win in the postseason. And when you're the MVP and you've done all these wonderful things from an individual standpoint, you expect to see Aaron Rodgers put the Packers' offense on his back, and he wasn't able to do so. And so you just wonder, look, man, is this the end of an era, a changing of the guard? We regard him as one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the game right now. But, man, when you look at those other guys, you have to wonder why he wasn't able to bring it home for the Packers in this playoff game.
1: Yeah, no question. And we'll have much more on the future of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Into the NFL in just a moment here on this Monday edition of Move the Sticks. But now let's get a look at uh, what we've seen here between the Rams and the 49ers. The last three seasons has not been pretty for the Rams. You just saw just a week 18, right? They have the 17-point lead. 49ers come all the way back and win. They've won the last six. They've scored just over 26 points a game against the Rams. And look, defensively, they get it done. We know that against any opponent, but certainly against the Rams. You see the sacks. The turnovers have been a big issue as well. And the Rams offense just has not been as potent against the 49ers as they have been. This is the fourth time since the divisional realignment, just the fourth time since 2 that we've seen a championship game uh, be a rematch of divisional opponents. We'll see it here. With the Niners dominance over the Rams here, Bucky, why will this game be any different? Yeah, I don't know why it would be any different because for the
2: 49ers standpoint, <laughs>
1: They own the Rams. Their
2: hashtag's going around talking about, we own you. And so from a mental standpoint, they know when they walk out and they see the Rams in those nice uniforms, it doesn't matter who's available. They feel like they beat them because that's what they do. And so their mindset is going to be one where they expect to
0: win. Wow. I would just add, though, to me, health is a huge component in this game. And if you look over the last couple years in the playoffs, you look at the Chiefs without their starting tackles in the Super Bowl against the Bucks. we saw how that went down. In this game, Trent Williams' health, is he going to be able to play? You take him out of the lineup. We saw last week what the Rams did to a backup tackle with their pass rush. So that, to me, is going to be huge, the health of of Trent Williams and some other players along the line here uh, for the
1: 49ers. Great opportunity for the Rams to exercise the demons here, right? Uh, They could have knocked the 49ers out of the postseason uh, week 18. Of course, didn't get it done then. Now they get a chance to knock them out of the postseason for real uh, here in this NFC Championship game. The difference for me is, man, Matthew Stafford. He's playing. He's up there with all the other quarterbacks we've been talking about with the way he played uh, this postseason. And uh, he's got to have another one of those games here against the 49ers.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: Mock Draft 1.0, here are the top 10 picks. Jaguars going offensive tackle, number one overall, to help out Trevor Lawrence, last year's number one pick. Only one quarterback in this year's top 10. It's Kenny Pickett from Pitt going to the Denver Broncos at number nine. And the Jets getting some help on defense with their two picks in the top 10 while the Giants uh, get a offensive and defensive centerpiece there with their two picks in the top 10. All right, DJ, this is our favorite time of the year. It's mock draft season. You love reading the comments and reading the mentions on Twitter from everybody reaching out telling you how great all of your picks have been uh, in this mock draft. Uh, I, for one, think you're just doing a magnificent job. Uh, So what we want to do here is highlight some of the reaction that some of the loyal fan bases have sent out here. So let's start with the fact that you got Sauce Gardner going number six overall to the Carolina Panthers. Moose uh, doesn't love it, I would say. Uh, he thinks it's <laughs> laughable, actually, because the Panthers aren't taking another corner round one after taking J.C. Horn, top 10 last year. We have too many corners. Clearly, you don't understand, DJ, the Panthers. Here's what I appreciate about Moose is he's also bringing it full circle with an appearance apparently you did on a local Charlotte radio station. So, yeah, that was a lot of research he did on that tweet. Uh, All right, defend your pick of Sauce Gardner to the Panthers. Well, I will just say this. There's, I don't know if you've heard of this thing, but there's
0: this thing called free agency where you don't have lifetime contracts with your players. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. When you have two of your corners on your roster that are – pending free agents, meaning they could actually leave your football team. So when that happens, you then have a need at the position. And the gap between Ahmad Gardner uh, and, and Henderson, who you traded for from, from, uh, from Jacksonville. Jacksonville, is yeah. tremendous. So when you get Gardner on one side and you put uh, your corner, J.C. Horn, you took in the first round last year on the other, you want to talk about being able to heat up quarterbacks. It'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, Stefan Gilmore is gonna be an unrestricted free agent. So hard to factor that into so the equation Jackson. here for yeah. Carolina. So right, so it was Dante Jackson, their second round pick a couple of years ago. All right, let's move to our next one. The Broncos selecting Kenny Pickett, ninth overall. Inconvenient truth, uh calling false on this one. Do you really think Denver would choose Pickett over Corral? Okay, I'm trying to make this sound more dramatic than it is. He's actually giving you some respect. Ah, that's he likes not both that of bad. them. So he's just he's just curious to know. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's one of the friendlier comments you're ever going to see is. on a mock draft. Uh, no, look, to me, Pickett is is more polished. He's ready to go right now. He's a little more accurate. Um, you get a little bit more, I would say, a little bit more dynamic arm with Matt Corral, but I just think Kenny Pickett is a little further advanced and ready to play. And I think this Broncos team is ready to win with their roster right now. So the more advanced player makes more sense, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, wealth of targets out there for Kenny Pickett, who had the huge jump from year three to year four starting there at Pitt. Let's move to the Philadelphia Eagles, who had three picks in the first round. And I guess this is not a DJ Burner account uh, tweeting against himself here, but he does say none of the Eagles' picks here make sense. You had them taking George Karloftis, edge rusher out of Purdue, <laughs> wide receiver Drake London out of USC, and Kenyon Green, an offensive guard from Texas A&M. Um, Look, he's not buying it at all, DJ. So what gives, man?
0: Well, I can tell you, having worked in that organization, DJ Slayer Relic, that they value the trenches, and they're going to invest in the trenches. And when you look at their defensive line, you have Brandon Graham, who was hurt this year. You also have Fletcher Cox, who's getting up there in age. They need to refresh that group a little bit. I love Sweat, but they are going to invest in the trenches. And then when you look at Kenyon Green... you've got Kelsey who's a free agent so he walks away Landon Dickerson he slides over to center which he played at Alabama Kenyon Green gets in there and off you go and they need a bigger wide receiver to complement Devontae Smith they don't have that type of a player you have a quarterback who's not tremendously accurate this gives him a little more margin for error with a big rangy receiver like Drake London
1: yeah and oddly enough taking a wide receiver for the third straight year uh, in the first round didn't draw the ire uh, of dj slayer relic that much he was actually on board with that one <laughs> um okay so this is kind of what we've long thought this is the worst mock oh, ever Oh yeah right i mean Mith- only, only two
0: emojis though
1: yeah was it sarcastic maybe just giving you one make sure that somebody sent the tweet out that said worst worst your mock draft good news is there will be more dj
0: i just want to see more creativity with the emojis okay the trash yeah. can's been done okay yeah. The the laughing thing's been done. There's there's so many emojis to choose from, people. Let's 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 come up with something new.
1: Yeah, you you'll have another opportunity here, DJ Mock Draft 2.0 uh, coming up before <laughs> you know it. All right, guys, let's get back to the playoff action here. This is Tom Brady, uh, who DJ you tweeted out was the least sacked quarterback this season. And then without Tristan Wirfs, man, did he get some pressure in his face from the LA Rams? Uh, average ten more or 10 more pressures than they gave up on average in the first 18 games. And his passer rating really dropped with those uh, those plays where he was under pressure, just a 23 passer rating. Uh, back now, Bucky rejoining here. Um, Bucky, when we assess Tom Brady's future, aside from the fact that he got pressured uh, like crazy in this game with Tristan Wirfs out, Donovan Smith didn't play well, was there anything you saw from Tom Brady who did not want to talk about his future after the game that made you believe, all right, He's not going to do it again next year.
2: I mean, from a physical standpoint, no. Uh, He was balling, and the way that he played uh, on Sunday without all the weapons available to him, man, this guy could continue to play. The way he was able to lift up that offense, make spectacular plays, he is still the league's boogeyman. The L.A. Rams melted at the prospect of Tom Brady being able to bring (laughs) it back in the fourth quarter. So the fear factor is still there. If he wants to continue to play, he will still be a dominant presence in the league yeah it's just on him if he, he wants to walk away right now he
0: still has the goods yeah i think the difference though between last offseason and this one you guys you play pickup basketball you win you stay on the court with your same group make a take They it. lost. they're gonna have to collect a new group when you look at the age of some of the players on their roster and you look at some of the free agents that they're going to have going into the offseason it's not just tom brady now you've got Indominus sue jpp gronk levante david they've got some age on this team they've got some free agents, including their center, as well as Chris Godwin. They've got some decisions to make there. If they come back, if Brady comes back next year, which I hope he does, he's going to be surrounded by some new faces. This is not a run-it-back situation like we had last year to this year.
1: Yeah, when they brought back all all 22 starters from the Super Bowl, it would seem to be a bit far-fetched to expect them to be able to do that again uh, this year, especially considering Chris Godwin coming off the the knee surgery and looking for a contract. Same with Ryan Jensen, who's sure to get some interest on the open market uh, as well. So a lot of questions this season, whereas we felt we got those answers pretty quick last year with them being able to resign all those guys. And for a third straight year, the Packers' playoff woes after phenomenal regular season show up once again. Most wins in a three-season span is what you're looking at in the regular season. 39 wins for the Packers these last three seasons without a Super Bowl appearance. The most, we've seen 49ers did it from 90 to 92, winning 38 games, but no Super Bowl appearances. Uh, And so now... We're left to assess what's going to happen here with the Packers. But first, let's try to make sense of this. And and Bucky, or or DJ, rather, what do you feel like these playoff issues mean for the way that the Packers are constructed, the way that Rodgers has played in these games, and and all of it here moving forward?
0: Well, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, because in some ways, I think a lot of it has to do with just the environment in which they play. Because you're Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the league, probably for the second year in a row he's going to win that here. Um, your team is built on your right arm being able to throw the football so you go out you have the best individual season you have the best team season to give yourself the number one seed and your reward is you're going to play in an environment that doesn't really match your team or you individually when you get into this cold weather and in some of the environments it's not like maybe some of the older Green Bay teams where you're just a real physical bunch they haven't been able to match the physicality of some of these teams that have come into Lambeau so it's it's a it's a weird situation. I, I would just put it to you this way. I'd love i can I ask Bucky a question? Let me ask Bucky Please. a question. Uh, B- Buck, <laughs> if if you gave Aaron Rodgers Truth Serum and said you can play that game against the San Francisco 49ers at home in Lambo, or you can go play that in California, where would he have preferred to play that football game?
2: Well, he would naturally like to play it in uh nice condition. So playing in San Francisco would benefit it. I do believe you're at a bit of a crossroads, DJ, when you talk about the Green Bay Packers, because you're right. Their style of play doesn't necessarily match their environment. When you're Mm -hmm. a cold weather team, we talk about it. You should typically be built on your defense, running game, and those things, because when you play in January, it's cold. The field is icy or snoring. That is not necessarily the perfect environment to be a pass-heavy team. It doesn't fit. And the Packers have operated like this for the past 30 years with only two Super Bowl wins. However, the Lombardi Packers in the 60s and 70s, they were built on the running game. And so you do wonder, can they continue to exist with this passing team in an environment that is frigid and frosty and it's not going to change in Green Bay?
1: Does that then, DJ, paint the picture of a future destination for Aaron Rodgers as he assesses his football future here this offseason and looks around and what the landscape, you know, will be for teams that are looking for a veteran quarterback here this offseason?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to find those, those perfect fits, right? right? We go someplace where the weather's outstanding. I know even, you know, people say, oh, you don't go to Denver because you know you get snow and cold weather there. Well, not like Green Bay. Right. And you're also in that division. You're playing a lot of warm weather games inside that division. So uh it'll be fascinating to see what what happens here with Green Bay and with Aaron Rodgers going forward, but you have to look at this as there's nothing but a huge disappointment for them to be going home this early.
2: Yeah, it's a huge disappointment for the team to be going home early. And as you speak about with Aaron Rodgers, he may go and find a team that provides him with a better opportunity in terms of playing well in the postseason, but I don't know if he's going to find a better team. And so that's the dilemma that Rodgers has. Does he want to play in a place that allows him to maybe play at his best in the postseason, or does he want to stay and play with the best team in the postseason? It'll be interesting to see what ultimately is decided in Greenback.
1: Well, the, the variable there is that the team that uh, just lost to the 49ers may not look like that next year. I yeah. mean, you've got the uncertain futures of a bunch of guys, as Aaron Rodgers noted, does not want to be a part of a rebuild. Um, so the question is, like, is this really more of a retooling for Brian Gutekunst than the, in the Packers personnel department? Or can they find a way, you know, to uh, rearrange this thing in a way that might entice Aaron Rodgers to come back for another year, despite... All the other circumstances are right, the first official hire of this year's cycle sends Bill's assistant GM Joe Shane to New York as the Giants new general manager replacing the retired Dave Gettleman Shane now charged with hiring a head coach to replace the fired Joe judge and one name very familiar to Shane heating up on that front second interview with Bill's offensive coordinator Brian Dable is happening tomorrow. According to our Tom Pellicero, Day Bowl, of course, the Bills' uh, OC, uh, who just left the postseason last night. Okay, back here with DJ and Bucky. Let's do Joe Shane a solid here. DJ, let's line up his to-do list for this offseason. What's priority number one in your mind? Well, to me, it's it's
0: helped support Daniel Jones. This was an anemic passing offense, but I still think when you look at the talent of Daniel Jones stacked up with the quarterbacks in this class, he is your best option going forward. So get him some help along that offensive line. Uh, get him another receiver. I didn't love the Kenny Galladay signing last year. Don't let that mistake uh, keep you from trying to be aggressive and go get him some help. He's also got to clean up some sour cap stuff uh, to give himself that opportunity.
2: Look, you talk about that part of it, like you certainly want to build around a young quarterback. But I think knowing Joe, because we sat together in old Carolina Panthers meeting rooms, I think they have to upgrade the speed on defense. Speed, speed, speed. When you think about the teams that are continuing to play in the tournament, their defenses are fast, they're physical, and they're able to create turnovers. Speed is a big part of that. I think you will see the Giants become more athletic, more explosive, and more dynamic. But to do that, you have to have some A-plus athletes. I think that has to be the priority for the Giants in the draft. Upgrade the speed and athleticism on the defense side of the ball.
0: I also would add too: you've got to get you've got to get more creative offensively with who you bring in to run this offense. Maybe it is Brian Dayball, but unleash Saquon Barkley. Figure out how to get him going. I know he's had injuries, uh, but man, the dude does have a lot of ability. Figure out how to get him going in the passing game more. Be more creative with him. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and be a big part of this team going forward. But he's got to be a building block here in this next season.
2: Yeah, he has to be a building block. You got to find a way to utilize him. And we talked about a DJ. You got to pick which side of the ball you want to be great at. We're seeing these teams with these young quarterbacks are really committing to making sure the offense is solid. Then they fix the defense later. Will Joe Shane make a decision to hey, go all in on Daniel Jones, fix this offense, see if you can get to respectable with the offense being great, then fix the defense the following year and make a run?
1: Hey, look, top ten of your first mock draft, DJ, certainly went a long way to helping that to-do list. You get a big offensive tackle with that first pick, and then you get some speed on defense with Devin Lloyd out of Utah, one of the best linebackers in this year's class for sure. Um, and I think I think we solved it. I think we solved it here. Uh, so there you go. McPherson trying to kick the Bengals into the AFC Championship. Harris, the snapper. Huber will hold it.
0: 51. 50- Cincinnati
1: wins. They are going to the AFC championship game for the first time since 1988. The Bengals mantra has been, why not us? And they're right. Oh, it's beautiful. That's why you draft a kicker. Evan McPherson, the rookie drafted by the Bengals uh, this past year. And look, it is paying off in spades. He has been phenomenal for them this season. No kick bigger than that one to send them to the AFC championship game. Bucky, lay it out for us, man. You've been tweeting about it as you were watching all the special teams uh, action take place here this weekend. Why is it so important, especially under the microscope when you get into the postseason for the special teams?
2: Hey, we talked about it. Your biggest warts are exposed on the biggest stages of the postseason. And so the third phase of the game, the kicking game, is a big part of it. Coaches stand in front of the podium and talk about it all day, but not every coach puts their commitment behind that conversation. And so when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, Tyreek Hill going back to return a punt, and then he takes it 50 yards, changed the game, and potentially could have given them a nice lead if he takes it the distance. Being able to knock down kicks with your kicker. We are seeing kickers have an increased importance in the postseason because those guys that can give you the sure three it matters and so in the postseason we're seeing the importance of making sure you load it up with big time players the kicking game is important we're seeing the importance in the postseason
1: yeah love it love the toughness of no sleeves from butker uh there in the in the cold temps (laughs) in kansas city i mean like you just knew that was going in evan mcpherson we talked about that knew it was going in How about Robbie Gold's reaction with Jimmy Garoppolo after kicking the game winner in the snow in the I mean, the absolutely freezing conditions at Lambeau. He talks about he said it right there. He's like, man, that felt good kicking that game winner celebration uh, with Jimmy. Got, uh, you know, a little more. um, How should we say this adult language ish um, at that point. (laughs) But they were both acknowledging how big that moment was for gold, who's been so good. Uh, since he came over from the Bears with the 49ers and look I mean you just I just don't think you can underestimate the importance of having that kind of confidence in your kicker to get it done in those kinds of conditions
0: and give some love to the guys who cover the kicks Ben Skronik for the Rams was outstanding in kick coming. they couldn't block and so you're going through the draft process Don't forget about those guys, too. And
1: the holders, okay? And the snappers. It's the entire operation. (laughs) Give some love to the long snappers and to the punters and everybody who's out there holding. And we saw Kyle Juszczyk have to hold for the 49ers. It it all matters in the postseason. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for being with us here on this Monday Move the Sticks.